What is up, everybody? Welcome to the newest episode of the First Five Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Pennell of Element Health and Wellness here in Uptown Dallas. Welcome, guys. We're really excited. We've got Dr. Andy with us today. She focuses on animal chiropractic here in the Dallas area, a Parker grad, 2017. But before we get into that part of the podcast, I want to bring up a couple special names right now. Number one, we're getting into tax season, so I really want to bring up Apto Advisory. A good friend of mine, Josh Gaber, he does an excellent job on the CPA side. And Dr. Andy and I were just talking right before the podcast about when, as new chiropractors, it's really difficult to understand everything that it takes from the business side and from the tax side and money coming in. And Josh does a really good helping you sit down and understand that piece, knowing where to allocate your money, uh, budgeting, all those things. So especially as we're getting into tax season, some of us last minute need some help. And even if you're not, if you're already set up for this tax season, looking forward to next year, he's just a really good person to lean on. So www.aptoadvisory.com, you know, mention Dr. Pennell, mention the first five podcasts, uh, he'll he'll help you out and get you taken care of. The next one is Busy Body Meal Prep. And actually, happy birthday to Emily Vines. Today is her birthday. And so Busy Body Meal Prep, I met her probably actually just a few months ago. And uh, really through X-Dog and Stan and Logan White, great people. But anyway, she makes these amazing meals that I'm telling you, it's the week has been so much easier when we've got all of those things prepped. Recently, she brought out the French toast sticks and all the fun stuff, but you know, she's got the lean, healthy things too, the, the chicken breasts and, and the beef and all, all of those things. So Emily made Busy Body Prep to make your life easier and tastier. You can use a code BUY10GETFIT for buying 10 meals, you get five free. So it's an awesome deal. You have to have your order in by Thursday night. I know that's a long plug, but guys, I care a lot about these people. I, I think they're awesome, awesome individuals, and they'll definitely help you out. All right. So Apto Advisory, Busy Body Meal Prep. Check them out. All right, guys, we're back to the podcast. We're in it. Welcome, Dr. Andy. As I mentioned, she is a Dallas Animal Chiropractic. That's actually her uh, Instagram page, Dallas Animal Cairo. She is from El Paso originally, but she is a Parker grad, 2017. Welcome to the show, Andy. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, yeah. No, we've uh, we've been kind of following each other for a little while now and, and chatting a bit online. And, you know, prior to the podcast here this morning, we were just talking about the chiropractic profession and how it's been kind of fun in these past, really, I guess, maybe year. And I don't know if it's pandemic related, but started to attract this, this chiropractic uh, following where everybody's supporting each other. And it's been a lot of fun. So talk about your experience here little background on yourself from you know graduation chiropractic school to to where you are now yeah so I graduated Parker in 2017 and then I started the animal chiropractic program and I finished that in 2017 and I became certified in 2018 and that's when I opened my practice Dallas Dallas animal chiropractic and so I've been in practice for about three years now amazing and guys, while you're listening, I want you to jump on, and especially for those Instagram Live people, uh, at Andy underscore Ibarra, it's I-B-A-R-R-A, and then at Dallas underscore Animal underscore Cairo. Uh, she's got some amazing info on there. I was actually looking earlier just about some of the cool things that she's done or is doing, and uh, man, just some of the stories about these animals that were even about to be put down and some of the pain that they're in and, and just how she's brought them back to living everyday lives and uh, I know we actually have Frenchie Lewis in here with us today and we were talking earlier about how his back pain was was stopping him up so talk to us what animal chiropractic has been to you so when I first got into it I didn't quite realize everything that it helps with you know I thought it was just you know for their aches and pains and if they slip and kind of twist something but I found that it it just helps everything like when vets don't know what to do that's usually when I get to see the animal and it it just heals the whole body and you know all these different issues or diseases they might have will resolve a lot of times and even dogs that were going to be put down they get a second chance so it's it's really amazing and I didn't even realize when I got into it how amazing it would be that's awesome extremely rewarding 
you know, you, you mentioned something there when the when the vets don't know what to do. We see a lot of that in everyday chiropractic also when the primary care physicians don't know what to do with back pain, right? Like they're yeah. prescribing medications, but they don't know what do we do, physical therapy, chiropractic, how do we get these people better long term? So similar situation than you find with the vets? Yeah. And, you know, most people when their dog or their animal is sick, all you know is take them to the vet and then right. the vet, you know, can put them on meds or do surgery and if not they don't really know where to go from there so yeah there's and there there's so many people that don't know about animal chiropractic and i was one of those people that's that's pretty wild i know a couple of years ago this was when we were in st louis i was telling you a bit before so our our frenchie we got a new bed and it was actually pretty high up my wife and i just had no idea that he was going to try to jump off of it he did um we didn't put two and two together that he had gotten immediate back pain from that he didn't start out right away feeling that pain but a few days later he was also chewing on some different toys so we didn't quite know what was going on but typically when in my experience when it came to dogs anytime they were sick or felt off it seemed like they had swallowed a toy or a bone or something like that we took him to the to the vet as you mentioned and they're like no it's back pain i'm like back pain and here I am chiropractic and it was just the last thing that I thought of with the dog and sure enough over time it seemed like that was the case he was having I'm assuming we never got into like MRI type stuff we did x-rays with him but disc bulge in the lower back but he was getting most likely some tingling into his leg because you could see the muscles twitching at times and it was pretty wild to see his recovery through it you see a lot of that I'm sure yeah and just like with people any little injury can build up over time and then one day it just gets really bad. So yeah, it, it works like it does with people a lot of the times. And does it seem like it happens a lot with the little guys and girls? Like when it comes to the, the chiropractic side or the back pain side, you know, as we mentioned, like Frenchies specifically, they're, you know, little bowling balls really. Like they have, you know, 28, 30 pounds sometimes and then shorter legs. They're still relatively athletic, but when they try to jump, sure they just don't have a whole lot of room yeah and there's certain breeds that i see a lot of and frenchies are one of them really and then weenie dogs because they have the mm, long backs yeah. they have a lot of issues uh, where okay. they you know hurt their neck or they become paralyzed from their back legs and then i've been seeing a lot of german shepherds also yeah. with the hip issues you know yeah. they're older they can't use their legs as much and they become weak in the back what is it about german shepherds that creates that type of of hip issue a lot of them are born with hip issues, so okay. I've seen a lot of that, but then just over time, you know, and if they're not on the right diet also, it causes a lot of inflammation in the body, and then they just start to get weaker to the point where they can't even fun function with their back legs at all anymore. Wow. Now, do you have specific supplements that you recommend for dogs for joint health and things like that? Um, not really supplements, but... I do recommend raw food for dogs Okay. and you can buy that made already, but yeah, raw food is the best type of food. It's good for inflammation in the body because a lot of the dog food that's out there is very processed. Yeah. So it's like for people, if we were eating McDonald's all the time, we would feel terrible and have all these joint issues and pains. You said that whole foods was a big part of, of the diet plan for, for dogs, especially anti-inflammatory, you know, have you checked into like X Dogs products at all? I know that Stan and those guys had started to create a little supplement line, some hip and, and joint and uh, in general nutrition. We've started using some for him and he seems to be responding really well. Were there any products that you did like outside of just the general raw foods? Um, usually just the raw foods. I feel like it has really everything that they need. Okay. Yeah. I guess even in the, the human diet, right? If you're getting the right foods, you really don't need to supplement too much. Yeah, which okay. most people are not, so we do supplement. And then, yep. <laughs> and then there we go. Yeah. Cool. All right, so what, you know, why chiropractic initially? Let's kind of jump back just a bit, but what brought you to the profession? So I actually grew up in a medical family. My dad, okay. my brother, my uncle, and several of my cousins are medical doctors. And so I kind of just thought I would go that route but I, I grew up dancing ballet and then later on running. And at about 19 years old, it really took a toll on my body. And I started to have really bad back pain. So one of the first things that I did and was told to do is go to an orthopedic. So I went 
and he pretty much just told me to take ibuprofen every day and stop running. And then he told me something else that has always stuck with me. And he said that I was never going to be one of those moms that's running after their kids because of my back pain. So f from that moment, it, I kind of was disappointed in the medical profession. Yeah, and absolutely. Yeah, nothing against medical doctors, obviously, but I just knew that that was not for me and I was not going to listen to what he said. So I started looking at other ways that I could naturally heal myself because I was not going to be taking drugs every day from the age of 19 years old. So it was actually my dad that recommended I go see a chiropractor. So I went and I had like immediate relief. And from then on, I was able to manage my pain without having to take anything. And that's kind of when I developed an interest in nutrition. And then I actually got my undergrad degree in nutrition and decided that I wanted to go to chiropractic school because I, I knew that the medical world was not really what I was wanting to do. So that's how I got introduced to chiropractic. That's cool. Yeah. And I think just like a lot of other professions, there's, they're the ones that we interact in, with well and then the ones that we don't care for quite as much. And I think it's happened to all of us at some you know time in our lives, just like maybe even some of you listening to this have had a good chiropractic interaction and a bad one. It happens, chiro, PT, medical profession, really any of them. Uh, but that's frustrating. We hear that a lot from patients. I shouldn't say a lot. We, we hope to not hear it a ton. But there are the few that come in and they say, look, this person told me that I'll never be able to do X, Y, and Z again. I'll never be able to run or, or ride the bike consistently. And it's frustrating. I, I will say that at times we have to slow it down yeah. and make sure that, hey, let's get the healing in, especially if it's an overuse injury. But I don't know that I've ever told a patient you're never going to be able to do that again. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't think anyone should ever totally stop doing something that they like to do, but in a way, you know, maybe that's what makes people go out to find what works for them. So for sure. And look, moderation can be a, a big key factor, especially, you know, some people are running like crazy amount of miles every day or every week or lifting, you know, the same muscles a lot and they need to, to change it up and, and vary the exercise and all of that routine. Same thing with golf or any other sport. If you do that every day, your body's just going to be beat up. Mm -hmm. So switching it up, changing up the routine, you know, making sure that you get the recovery days can be extremely, extremely beneficial. So as we're getting back to, you know, your journey through chiropractic now, why'd you choose Parker? I chose Parker because I I'm from El Paso, so I wanted to stay in Texas. Okay. So, and I loved Dallas when I came to visit, so I yeah. figured I'd go to Parker. Awesome. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to get up to Parker yet, but you know the Parker grads here in the area, they're great. They've done an awesome job, and uh, you know I've heard really good things about the school and, and the university. What was something that you really liked about being part of Parker? I met a lot of really good people, you know, mentors, and then I made some really good friends at Parker too. Um, and it was, I mean, with every chiropractic school, it's really cool to be in that bubble because then you get out and no one really knows what you're talking about when you're talking <laughs> right. about chiropractic. Yeah. So I, I really liked that aspect of it. That's cool. And Parker seems like they put on a, a, an extremely good seminar series. Yeah. They're really good at, you know, doing presentations and yeah. Yeah. I was disappointed. Like last year they had one, I think in February, maybe in Vegas actually. And mm. I wasn't able to, uh, to attend that event but then as the year went on you know you started realizing how much you miss that type of of seminar series and i did some webinar things along with parker and i thought they did excellent even on that side but man I, i'm ready for them to to kick it back into gear yeah it's been virtual and i've been watching the virtual yeah. stuff but yeah they have some really good parker seminars awesome you started into chiropractic mainly because you had experienced back pain and went through the medical profession now here we are so why then did you decide animal chiropractic was for you? So when I started chiropractic school, I had no idea that animal chiropractic even existed. And it was probably around tri six. So I was about a year away from graduation. I, I still didn't know. And I didn't even know what niche I wanted to go into. You know, people go into sports or pediatrics. And none of that was really resonating with me. But then I just kind of randomly saw an ad for an animal chiropractic program at Parker. And 
I was like, what is this? I had no idea this was a thing, which is what I hear a lot of people say now too. And so I looked into it and I looked into other programs and I, when I saw that, I knew that I had to do that because I always grew up with animals, with dogs and rescuing dogs. So I definitely knew that I wanted to do that. And I, I ended up doing a program, not at Parker, but I did a program and I really, really enjoyed it. That's awesome. And, you know, now I, I think we see so many more videos regarding chiropractic and, and animals and you see like horses getting adjusted, which seems crazy, but it, yeah. it, it makes sense. And then I'm sure that's what keeps them good, even the racehorses and, and whatnot, too. Have you done much with actual horses? I don't. I focus on small animals, okay. but I have I have done horses have before. You? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So what have you adjusted on a horse? Um, everything. Their back, their neck. Really? Yeah. They're, you can adjust their legs, their tail. Now, of course, when like when I'm picturing animal chiropractic, I'm thinking of having my Frenchie on his back, you know, and looking <laughs> at his cervical spine. But like, how do you how do you go about that process for some of these animals? With a horse, you have to get up on a bale so that you're okay. really tall up on them, and then just use your whole body weight and kind of use their their movements and get them to relax so that you can do the adjustment. Wow. But yeah. I mean, do you like? It's not the same type of cervical that you do on a, on a human. So what is? It, how do you? I don't know. Yeah. How do you? How do you approach it? Yeah, you you have to get someone to help you too to kind of maneuver them around. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, you're using like your arm or like your whole hand. Wow. Yeah. C- clearly, I need to watch some more YouTube videos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to explain, to but if you watch a video, you'll know. Wow, that's crazy. Okay. And so even when it comes to the little, you know, little animals, what uh, what does that approach look like? Yeah, so it's, you know, it's, I use a lot of treats to kind of get them to look certain ways and see what I need to work on. And I do everything manually. You can use activator, which I'll occasionally do, but usually it's all manual. But are you getting actual like pops out of their back or are you kind of doing slower stuff like almost you would with an infant? So both, depending on the animal and, but you do hear pops sometimes. Yeah. Not, not on every body part, but yeah, you will sometimes hear it like on the shoulders, sometimes with the Atlas. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So do you do a similar analysis like you would a human being though? Yeah, you do. You watch their gait, see how they're walking, check their range of motion. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I love it. That's awesome. And so how long was training and what did training look like? So training can be anywhere from three months up to two years. The program that I did, they, they're very flexible and that's kind of why I chose them. They let you go as fast as you want. So I finished in three months, but but you can take up to two years. And I, I know the, some other programs are about six months. Okay. And that's, was that along with your doctorate of chiropractic that you were already going through or was that after you graduated? I did that the last three years that I was in chiropractic school because I wow. just wanted to finish everything together. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I did it just all at the end. That's cool. Very cool. So what has been the most difficult animal to adjust? I wouldn't say there's one that's more difficult, but I will say there's maybe certain breeds like in dogs that are more difficult. Okay. Probably like pit bulls because they just have so much meat yeah. and it's, it's kind of like maybe adjusting like a bodybuilder. It's, yeah, it's yeah. harder to get to their spine. Mm-hmm. Um, even Frenchies, are their neck is kind of hard mm-hmm. to get to sometimes. <laughs> a little <laughs> squat neck. Yeah, yeah. There's just so much to get through there. So, yeah, yeah those I two it. breeds are can be difficult sometimes. Okay. See, in my mind, I think about like the horse because it's just so big. There's, I don't know. It just seems yeah. like it would be more difficult to manipulate a big bodied animal versus something smaller. Do you find it, that to be the case? Yeah, no? it definitely takes more of your energy and takes more okay. time and getting up the bale, getting off, switching yeah. to the other side. So yeah, it, it does take a lot more energy when you're adjusting a horse. Okay. Wow. Do you have any kind of crazy story with adjusting horses or, or any animals specifically? Um, not really crazy. The I'll say the weirdest animal I've adjusted is a lemur. A lemur? You've and adjusted? Was, <laughs> yeah, and it was a little baby. And oh, really? It was, it was a lot like adjusting a human baby. Wow. Yeah. Well, who brought you a lemur? It was at a wildlife park. And really? Yeah, he was the runt, and his brother was like twice his size. He wasn't eating or peeing or pooping normally, and his tail was just kind of dragging. So they, oh, wow. they had me go adjust him and really? he responded really well. That's yeah. awesome. And how is it doing now? He's good. They Yeah, I have a video of that too. And really? He, from the time I first saw him to maybe like three weeks later, he grew so much and he was wow. eating a lot more. 
That's all, is that on your page? Yeah, it's a, one of the older videos. Okay, I'll have to scroll there. through there and check it out. But this is on the Dallas Animal Cairo page? Yes. Okay, wow, I'm going to have to take a look at that one. All right, that's cool. So what has been your your favorite animal to adjust? Dogs. Just dogs in general? Yeah, okay. dogs in general. That's that's my jam. And I saw you did some laser therapy even too, like similar you do on a human. I, I guess it pretty yeah. much works the same way. Yeah, yeah. They respond well with laser too, just just like with humans. Wow. Yeah. So we primarily do it on like a hip joint or shoulder or different things like that? Yeah, really depending on what issues they're having. Okay. But yeah, I'll do it usually on that exact spot that they're having the issue. Wow. All right. I like it. That's pretty, that's pretty yeah. wild. So do the animals like to be adjusted? Well, if they're in pain, no, because okay. <laughs> they're not sure what you're doing to them. Yeah. So the first few times it usually is going to hurt them, really? but there are some that they know they're going to feel better. So they're okay with it or they're yeah. used to it. But yeah, they, if they're in pain, then they tend to kind of snap at you or try to get away from you. Okay. And I'm sure, again, just like humans, you probably have to come in with a pretty soft approach and figure it out, I guess. Yeah, and, and they have no idea what you're, what you're trying to do to them. Yeah. So, yeah. So you have to be careful, I'm sure. Yeah, start off light. Yeah, so what is, you know, a first appointment with a dog coming in, what does that look like typically? So, actually, in order for a chiropractor in the state of Texas to see an animal, uh -huh. the veterinarian has to sign off, like okay. on a clearance form. Got it. So they, the owner has to get that, and then I do the first appointment, which is the exam, and then the adjustment, and then if they're needing cold laser therapy. No kidding. Okay. So every animal that you've treated has gone through the vet to then get to you. So I guess yeah. having good relationships with the vets are great. Like, are they good referral sources for you then? Yeah, that's a huge thing. And there's some vets that won't want to sign off on it, but yeah, there are a few that will, and yeah, that's, so that's one kind of obstacle that animal chiropractors have mm -hmm. to go through. Yeah, you can't just come straight in like you, you know, kind Yeah. Of, interesting. I guess that's similar to physical therapy at times, too. You know, now in Texas, I think they have like a 10-day rule where you can come in. I can't remember the name of, of the process, but essentially you can come in get PT for 10 days prior to getting a, a doctor's script. But I think in a lot of other states, you have to get the script first before you even start. So yeah. it's kind of, I guess, at least similar on, on that level. Yeah. And every state is different. Like I know in Oklahoma, they mm -hmm. don't, they don't need any of that or in Colorado either, but most states do require something from a vet. Okay. And so do you still do regular chiropractic care for humans and everything as well? I do. Yes. I still treat humans and a lot of the dog owners as well. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. smart. Okay. Cool. So like on your day to day, do you have specific days for animals, for people, or are you kind of like back and forth? I'm usually back and forth. <laughs> My days are always split cool. up. So like one morning I'm doing either people or animals. And then the afternoon is the other way around. Wow. So. That's wild. And is this your practice that you started? Yeah. Started it right cool. after I graduated. Wow. So what made you decide that at that point in time, you know, starting your own business was right for you? So I've, I never really wanted to work for anyone. And I also, it's not like I knew other animal chiropractors that were hiring because there's not that many, especially in this area. So that really wasn't an option for me. And the only way I could do it is if I started my own business sure. with animals. And That's then cool. with people, there wasn't enough time for me to work for someone and still be able to treat animals. So I just kind of had to figure out everything on my own. That's wild. That's pretty cool. And so you're kind of just tossed into the opportunity to grow your own business. But were you yeah. ready for that anyway? Yeah, I I knew I eventually wanted to do it. I just I didn't know right away. But yeah, so I just kind of stepped into it and just had to make it work. That's amazing. What would you you know, being or going down that route, I should say, there are three options for you, Kairos. We've talked about in the past, but especially you new Kairos, it's either come out and own your own practice like Dr. Andy did. Uh, you can come out and be an independent contractor, which is, <clears throat> excuse me, the way that I started when I was in St. Louis at Performance. Or then you can be an associate where you're working under somebody else, W-2. That's not always a bad thing either. I've known some high-level chiropractors that are W-2 employees just based on the system that maybe has a, a you know nurse practitioner and a, uh, a physical therapist and orthos and all these people because of the way that the system needs to be set up so that people can refer and, and things like that. So knowing what you know, 
what route would you recommend to a new student coming out? I would probably recommend for at least a year working for someone just so you can see how everything is set up and just know everything that has to get into starting a business because there's a lot more than you would expect when you know you just come out of school so I would recommend that and then from there doing an independent contract is probably the best way to go after that yeah I, I like where your head's at and personally I, I think that unless you or I know unless you're solely ready to go or backed into a corner or whatever and you're like hey I got to make this work and you own your own great I've known multiple people that have done that and done very well um, but unless you're ready for that jump because it is going to be tough I would say start out trying to learn from others either in a good associate role that will allow you to build and grow long term you know or something that you're going to do temporary for a couple of years. Because the thing about an associate is that you're getting paid something at least, right? Uh, you're mm -hmm. getting paid something. You're understanding your process. You're understanding what you need to do to grow. And, and you can kind of mess up and still be in good shape. Now, I will say if you want to take it a, a step up from that, I think the IC is a great route because you're building your own business. So if you can endure a little of the hardship, but you know that long term you want a piece of, of the pie – and you want to be in a certain area. Like if you're a Dallas resident, you want to stay in Dallas, so you want to continue to you know, build that process, then maybe the IC route is a good one for you. And look, I did it. it it's tough at first, but it can be done. You know, What were some of the struggles that you had from a business owner standpoint right off the bat? So I would say marketing is probably one of the for biggest sure. things because obviously you don't really learn that in school. And as a chiropractor, you learn how to treat others, but you don't learn too much about business. So I would say marketing and then I think communication is a huge thing that I wish I had studied all throughout school as well. Um, now I'm, I study a lot about communication, but I think that's another huge thing that a lot of people don't realize. Yeah, I totally agree. The one thing that I would add to that list, and let me know what you think about this, is, is really, well, two things. One, I would say leadership is extremely important. As a business owner, you got to be a good leader too. If you want your team to fall in line, you want your practice to have a good setup. I think that's, that's a big one. And then the other one is just solely being a good practitioner, right? Like so many of us start out and we just, we're not really that good. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like that took some growing pains for you to, to feel like you were, were fully competent to, to do all of all the stuff that you're up to? Yeah, that, and I think a huge part of it is also confidence because you just haven't Definitely. done enough or yep. you haven't helped that you think you haven't helped that many people so you're unsure when you get you know a new patient if you can even help them so uh, yeah I think confidence is a huge thing with that too and it that that just takes time I agree the experience part is huge and I will say you know over the past couple of years as as you've seen yourself grow 2017 was your first year and then do you feel like each year you've kind of doubled up and and not only your level of ability but then that confidence and then the experience ties in and you just I think less of the imposter syndrome type scenario mm -hmm. when you when you're more educated do you agree with that yeah and I want to say it probably took about maybe at least two years for me to kind of feel more confident and like I knew what I was doing and I knew I was getting somewhere so it does take a while yeah especially because I hadn't worked for anyone. So I, I kind of had to just figure out everything. That would be tough. Who did you turn to from a mentor standpoint? I turn a lot to actually the, the veterinarians slash animal chiropractors that I learned from. They're the ones who have the program. So in regards to animal chiropractic, I'm constantly, you know, asking them questions, picking their brain. How would you suggest to other people? I mean, it makes total sense, right? Especially when you're in that niche type category of, of trying to figure things out what would you say to the newer students with trying to find a mentor that fits their need I would tell them to definitely just reach out to everyone they can and not everyone might respond but just try to meet as many people as you can that are doing what you want to do or that are practicing the way that you want to practice and try to just build good relationships with them so that you can shadow them and ask them questions and they can tell you what mistakes not to make once you decide to get into practice. Absolutely. 
finding people that fit your mentality is is so huge because if you go out into the real world and you find like if you're a a good ethical person you find somebody that is solely about making money you'll learn how to make money but it may not be ethically correct you know mm-hmm. and and so absolutely finding somebody if, if you're a sports doc or you want to be into sports find somebody that knows sports you may not you may not become uh, an associate of their practice or an independent contractor or any of those but there are so many ways that you can reach out now social media has been fantastic for any of us, we were talking about that earlier, just how we've made some connections even in the Dallas area purely from Instagram or Facebook or, or whatever. So I think that's always a great route. Shoot an email. You know, be courteous and respectful of, of their time because some of these guys that have been in practice for a long time have people reaching out nonstop. Um, but definitely take the time to find those that, that, uh, that have that similar mindset because it will pay off big time. Yeah, and you might even learn things that maybe you don't like or you don't want to do you thought you wanted to do and you kind of changed direction so you'll always learn something yes 100 percent. i think you actually even get more value out of that scenario Mm -hmm. xavier what is it i tell you all the time when uh when i you know when you're going around to the other docs to check them out what do i say (laughs) he he says a lot of stuff all right Yeah, so so Xavier's saying that uh, he's like, yeah, you say a lot of stuff about the meetings, which which I do. I, I hand out a lot of advice to you for sure. Well, when you're when you're present with a doc all the time, it's just like you get not only the conversations that we'd normally have with ourselves, but you also get the ones that are like life lesson hand down. And it you know happened the same to me when I was in there with Murph and the guys in, in St. Louis, as I'm sure it did with with Doctor Andy. But one of the things that that I I talk to to Xavier about when he's going to shadow other docs, I say, look. You're not going to love everything that they do, but what you should do is look at the things that you like and don't like, and you're going to start to compile those that will f- to make a list of the things that you want to physically do long term. And if you don't know what you don't like, you're not going to know what you actually do like and what fits your mentality. Yeah, and that changes so much through chiropractic school. You think you want to do this technique or practice like this or do this niche, and then you actually see it done, and you're like, no, I don't. I don't really like this. Yeah, and I mean, how many times we we see chiropractors, I've talked about this a lot, where you can line up 10 chiropractors and every one of them, even if they're all sports docs, let's just say they're they're still going to practice differently. Every one of them, most likely. I've yet to find a physician that practices exactly like me. Even the guys, you know, that I learned from, there are a lot of similarities, but we don't do everything exactly the same. That's just how it is. Like, you have to be yourself at the end of the day. Yeah. And yeah, depending on your kind of your personality, too, or the things that you want to treat, everyone, you know, attracts a different set of patients, essentially. No doubt. What's something that allowed you to be more successful as you've seen through these four years of of becoming a chiropractor? I think just kind of studying, like, like you were saying, leadership and Mm -hmm. business, just really reading all those books that I could and learning of the business side of it that I didn't learn in chiropractic school and, you know, talking to people that do know business and kind of having mentors in that area as well that are not just chiropractic. No doubt. Did you feel like you were you always like from the time that you graduated, you're like, Hey, I'm Dr. Andy. This is my way. Like I know these other people are successful, but I'm going to be myself. Or were you like, Hey, I need to be more like this person or I need to take on these attributes. What, what did that conversation just internally look like for you? Yeah, I definitely felt like, you know, there was people that I admired and I wanted to be like them. So I would try to do things the way that they would. And it doesn't always, you know, work out like that. Or, you know, you try to please patients. So you don't sure. exactly or you're not exactly straight with everyone. You try to help everyone and you just kind of have to learn you can't help everyone. Maybe there's those patients that don't want to be helped so you just have to learn what you can do and what you can't and you know just be honest with them too no doubt I think it is very difficult as a newer chiropractor coming out especially if you do look up to mentors to not to like totally emulate what they do you know you want to take in parts of it but you still have to be yourself and I I have found even on on our side you know with with element and uh, even just personally the the longer that 
or the the more in depth that you can get on just personal growth of understanding what you are are about as an individual that's when the growth starts coming in and that's when people really start getting behind what you're doing when when you're just like hey this is kind of how it is and this is what I'm about sharing that information and rolling from there. Do you agree with that statement? Yeah. And that comes with confidence too. Definitely. So yeah, it takes time, but you kind of have to know what works for you and not think because it worked for this person, it's going to work the same way for you. No doubt. But I, I really like what you're saying about the experience side of things. And some of that, that's the unfortunate part guys about coming out and being new is that some of it literally does take time. There's only, I would say 100% dive into the books, understand what you're doing, get good mentors, all that stuff. But you have to adjust so many people to know some of the tricks of the trade to, you know, if there's a, a cervical adjustment that's difficult with some people or, or a mid-back. There are plenty of times now that I'll adjust certain people prone, same thing with ribs and, and mid-back. And then there are others that have to get A to P and, and you know, all that stuff. How long did it take you to figure out some of those little special cues that you could do to help other people that are kind of the bread and butter for if this doesn't work, I'll do this. I, I feel like I'm still going through that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah Cause at first I, you know, i right after school, you're like, um, I don't know how to do this, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, after I probably a couple of years is kind of when you're mm-hmm. starting to learn what works for different types of people. Definitely. You know, and I love conversations like this. I've, I've felt like, we've grown from a chiropractic profession even in these past three six months here as as this community started to form because you then then start seeing what other people are doing the way that they're communicating whether it be with social media you know their adjustments their style um you know when dr matt delgado was in here i don't know if you follow him or or know of him online he's a a guy from austin um you know I, i really liked a couple of his extremity adjustments and different things that i haven't done for a while so Sometimes it's nice to like just connect with other chiros and like, hey, what do you do in this situation? And because we all have the things that we're good at, and probably there's a lot that you're better at than me, no doubt, especially with the animals. But there's a lot of things in general that I can learn from you, and that maybe you can take from from me or from other people. It's fun creating that community, don't you think? Yeah, and especially like if you have your own practice, you're not really around other chiropractors Agreed. watching them treat others. Yes. So you tend to do the same type of adjustments that work for you. You're not really exposed to new things. You probably are burnt out from doing seminars, so mm-hmm. you're not going as much. So yeah, it's nice to still have that community of other practitioners that you can kind of bounce ideas off. No doubt. Yeah. Gosh, thinking about just being around three other chiropractors at our old office to then now, you know, being solo, honestly, having, you know, Xavier here, I had Randy with me uh, interning in the summer and she was great too. But it was nice to have another chiropractic individual here in the office because, hey, I need to get adjusted too. Or, hey, let's work on this. But as you're explaining things, like you get good when you're able to then teach it. When you know it well enough that you can teach it to somebody else, you start physically getting it better and understanding it more in depth. Have you had that experience of then showing other people what you do in that scenario that you're like, okay, I'm actually figuring this out even. How, how do I do this? You know? Yeah, it, it helps you learn. And yeah, cause I've, I've mentored other animal aspiring animal chiropractors too. And it kind of helps, it teaches you a lot when you're teaching others. So yeah, definitely. That's cool. Are there a lot of other individuals coming up through Parker that want to do animal chiropractic? There are actually, um, I've had quite a few students reach out to me to shadow. And I, the other day I had a pretty big group watching me practice and shadowing me. And yeah, I really want to allow them to because when I was in Parker and you know I didn't know anyone that I could shadow for animal chiropractic because there's not too many of us so yeah there's there's been quite a few students that reach out to me about that giving back to the profession is great so that's amazing and it's got to make you feel good like showing them what you've learned too right yeah yeah and explaining everything because at Parker they have the program but they don't really advertise it at all Mm -hmm. or talk about it what was the feeling among your peers being in chiropractic school and then while people are talking sports or nutrition or if you will the the sexy uh specialties and not that animal chiropractic isn't it's just different Mm -hmm. you know when you started to want to go down that route what did other people say or or think when it came to that i it seems like and i i even kind of thought like this it would be more of like a hobby 
yeah. and maybe just like a weekend thing. Okay. But then I started doing it more and I actually see more animals than I do people. Cool. So yeah, I think initially I thought of it as a hobby and other people probably thought of that too, as yeah. just like some specialty that you do on the side. But yeah, I think there's a, there's a huge need for it. No doubt. Uh, th that's awesome. How many things we probably think of in our daily life that's like, oh, this is fun, right? The fun <laughs> things, the hobby things, that then becomes part of our lives and stuff that we want to do long term because it's just, it's fun, right? Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Perfect yeah. job. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, he, the only thing that I can relate it to is like, for instance, I, I enjoy golf. So that's something that I like treating other athletes, especially golfers, because you just, you have fun with it, right? Yeah. What's something else that you enjoy doing chiropractic wise that then has or i'm sorry enjoy doing on your own that then has flown you know combined in on the chiropractic side of things definitely nutrition you cool. know I've, i'm really into that and kind of the whole functional medicine aspect so it's really it's nice that i can incorporate that too with chiropractic yeah, that's cool so what about nutrition has has been your big draw i would probably say because i have struggled with like digestion issues, bloating, yeah. acne, and it was all food related. Wow. And all of that was resolved with the right eating. So I've definitely had my experience with that as well. That's wild. And then, so now when you take your, your patients, do you handle a lot of the nutrition side with your patients or do you send that to functional medicine or do you handle some and still send it? Up until very recently, I wasn't handling too much of it, but I am I am starting to get into that more now with functional medicine. And I think because of COVID also, I started getting into functional medicine more. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it gives you an online business too, right? Yeah, it does. You can do that virtually. But I also feel like, you know, like with chiropractic patients, you can adjust them, but if they're eating bad or, you know, their diet is terrible... You can only do so much to help them. No and doubt. That's not something that we've gotten into a ton at our office yet. Typically, when we notice more of the nutrition side, we'll send out for it. But I think long term, it just it makes too much sense. You know, having a, a whether it's a nutritionist on staff or an RDA that you can send to somebody that knows nutrition really well, it's just such an important piece of what our patients deal with on a day to day because it's what we deal with on day to day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it's also about finding that main cause that's pr causing their issues because, you know, we can we can treat them. But if that that thing isn't resolved, then they're just going to continue to have those symptoms. No doubt. What have you thought about the vegetarian diet and things like that? So I, f I feel like it can be done in the right way. A lot of people don't do it in the right way. But it yeah, you can definitely definitely achieve that and still be healthy. It just takes a lot of work. No doubt. <laughs> But I've heard, you know, multiple people talk about how much energy they've had just from going on a more vegetarian type diet. I think that's really interesting. Yeah. And it's it probably has a lot to do with also the type of animal meats they were eating. Like if sure. it wasn't organic or grass fed, I, it probably is having to do with cleaning up that side of it mm -hmm. as well. On the inflammation side. Right? Yeah. Yeah, a lot of the uh, let's see, a lot of the red meats and whatnot have a lot of inflammatory factors yeah, to them. Especially if you know you eat it at a restaurant and they add on butter and uh -huh. it's greasy. Yeah, I always give my wife a bunch of shit because she's all about like the organic and the, you know all that stuff. But it keeps us healthier. It really does. It yeah. just sucks that it's more expensive too. Yeah, but cheaper in the long run, probably. <laughs> well, yeah, and I, you know what, what what area of your life do you want to focus on? You know, do you want the shoes and all that stuff or do you want to have a better cleaner diet so you feel better and all of those things and i think for the most part we've all been known to go more for the material item things and put less effort into our actual diet and making us feel better you know people are are more into hey let me go to mcdonald's or to taco bell and spend two or three dollars on a meal versus making our own because it's going to cost a little more but there's a total difference in the way that your body feels. Oh, yeah, definitely. And eating like McDonald's and junk food can just cause so many health issues down yeah. the line. that, And you're going to end up spending more on that, trying to get better yeah. or on medications Very and other true. doctors. One of the things that I would challenge you to do is go, you know, a week, couple weeks, whatever. But choose a few different days and switch up your lunches. 
you know, choose one day where you just eat crappy, right? You, you have pizza or you have sandwich, you have uh, McDonald's, whatever it is, and see how your body plays out the rest of that afternoon. Probably feel tired, sluggish, you know, lacking energy, not really motivated. But then the next time or the next day, a couple days, whatever, then do your, you know, your salad, uh, fish, you know, healthy fats, all of those things, and then see how much it sits on your stomach and how you feel afterwards. It's made a total difference for me what I have at lunch versus, you know, where it goes from there. What have you seen even in your practice? Yeah, and then once you start eating better, that the time that you do eat bad, you even feel it even more. It's because, amplified. Yeah, because your body has been getting rid of that, and then you introduce it, and you're, you're like, no way, this, this is not good. No doubt, no doubt. Well, jumping back over to the practice side of things, do you perform rehab exercise? Do you focus much on that in the human world or on the animal side? In the animal side, I, I'll teach the owners what to do. I don't do okay. too much of it, but I will teach them certain stretches or things that they can do to help strengthen their animals. And then with people, it's kind of the same. I'll teach them some stretches, but I don't get into rehab too much. Okay. So when somebody walks in and goes through this, so you got to keep in mind this podcast is mainly – for the chiropractic profession you know we're going to get people that want to listen in just because they know you or, or whatnot but what goes into the price of care for when you create that situation so when i first started creating prices and this goes for both animals and people i researched to see what others were charging in the area with uh -huh. what i was doing so i just kind of went by how the market was okay did you find yourself falling into the high level the the low level the, the middle where were you so at first i was definitely way too low because okay. i was doing for animals i was doing house calls and i was first just charging a flat fee and i was definitely undercharging. and then probably a year later i started charging per mile mm. and so that was better Okay. Um, and now I don't do house calls, but yeah, I definitely was undercharging at first, which, you know, I think is common when you're starting because you're not, you know, you you're really still know, learning too. Yeah. You don't know what your service is really worth. Yeah. I get that. If you don't mind me asking, you don't have to get into your new charges, but what were you charging like at that point in time for these house calls? Yeah. So I was charging $50 for an okay. adjustment for an animal, but that was me going to their house. Yeah. So and I was normally in the office. That's probably not bad I, I don't know yeah now now I'm, I'm just in my office and it's okay. 60 for okay. them got so. it but you're there yeah I'm, I'm not having to use my gas my yeah. car the nice thing about the traveling piece is that you get to write a lot of that stuff off yeah and I actually would recommend that for yeah for people just graduating so that way you don't have any overhead it's a it's a good way to start for sure because then you get things like you know your laptop your and this is if you're an independent contractor or an owner but then you can write off different things like your car, you know, your mileage. You'd have to get in with your CPA, ask, you know, the guys over at Apto, ask Josh about that type of stuff. Because, you know, I, I'm not giving you business advice when it comes to that piece. You, you'd have to go to a CPA and actually understand that whole process. Because when I thought, you know, early on, people were like, oh, that's a write-off. That's a write-off. Great. I'm like, oh, cool. Does that kind of mean it's free? Well, it, not technically, right? It's It helps you in, in overall what you have to pay at the end of the year if you're normally having to pay you know, 10 grand at the end of the year, that may cut you down to seven or five. It just really depends. It may cut you way, way further than that. But there are definitely tax advantages to those scenarios. Yeah, definitely. I would definitely look into that. And especially as a new grad. No doubt. How do you keep track of your finances? Do you use QuickBooks or something like that? Um, I actually just keep like an Excel sheet for me. And then I have my, my CPA as well. Okay. And then yeah. they'll take care of all of those things. Yeah. But yeah, I keep everything on file on my end too and just making sure i'm documenting everything yeah. okay cool. and it took me a while to do that because at first you know there's just so many different things that you need to do no to doubt. keep track of and for for you new grads you can definitely go the route of an excel sheet i'm sure for some that will make it easier i would highly recommend something like quickbooks and understanding it just because you can send that off a little differently if you know how to work excel really well it can be fantastic you can create charts and graphs and send that info too but definitely check in with your cpa and if you don't have one get one because you need the help all right it just it's going to make your life a lot easier as you move on so what was something that you felt like you struggled with early in practice that then you've improved upon 
I would probably say marketing. Okay. Yeah, I struggled with marketing. Also, because as an animal chiropractor, you weren't allowed to to really do advertisements. Mm. Up until several months ago, they changed really? that. Yeah, you weren't allowed to market yourself as an animal chiropractor. Um, hmm. So yeah, definitely with marketing and what has helped though is social media. Like you were definitely. saying, that's that's probably the best way right now and the least expensive way to market yourself. Yeah. Have you done like paid ads and different things like that online? Yeah, with the the people side of things I have, not so much with animals. Okay. And I've just kind of found it doesn't, for some reason, it doesn't work as much. I think when people are looking for an animal chiropractor, they're out actively searching for one. So I mm -hmm. think that's the difference with a, a human business hmm. versus animals. I wonder, like, how have you... How have you uh, marketed to vets? What's so been your process there? Before COVID, I would just go in the office and try to sure. talk to as many vets mm -hmm. as I could or the vets that my, my dogs use. So it was kind of just a lot of just cold calling, as you could yeah. say. A word of mouth, stopping by, things like that. Yeah, and now that I've had more patients and when I get those referral forms, I always notice who the vets are. And, you know, if I've had several dogs from one vet i'll mm -hmm. call them just to introduce myself cool and you know give them a thank you for signing the form and just kind of get to know them from there that's awesome i, I think that's extremely smart that's that's great did you feel like you lacked the confidence to do that or just didn't even know early on i did lack confidence definitely and also because it is really hard to get in and talk to a vet you know i, I call and i never get their email or yeah. a call back so it is initially pretty hard to do that. When you were calling at that point in time, and I'm sure that process has changed, but when you were calling originally, were you calling and asking for the vet specifically, or how, what did that conversation look like? Yeah, I would leave a message with whoever answered and ask if the vet could get back to me. And it didn't work most of the time, but what does work is if you offer lunch, you mm -hmm. want to do mm -hmm. like a luncheon yeah. and a little presentation you bring their meals in and they can just listen to you as they're eating. So that's probably the best way to go about it. Yeah. You know what I think is really funny though, is we found that in the process of reaching out to people, it's not even the physician that says, Oh, you got to bring in lunch. It's the freaking staff. Yeah. They like, they won't even talk to the physician, uh, unless you're offering lunch and that's just them doing it. That is, that is nothing to do with the physician at all. Definitely. Yeah. You have to get to that's the staff crazy. before you can get to the doctor. That's such <laughs> nonsense though. I think what frustrates me a lot about that is because there are orthos and people like that, that I personally want to send referrals to, and the staff will still give us shit like that. Like, Oh, you can't speak to them. Like, you know, that I have referrals that we're trying to send you, but I understand it also because a lot of times there are people trying to sell them stuff. Right. And they just don't know the difference. Yeah, that's that's probably true. And that makes it a little bit tough. But one of the things that we have found in the office, and this comes whether you're uh, reaching out to attorneys or primary cares, orthos, what's really interesting is every time that we called and we asked for an attorney or we called and we asked for a primary care physician or whatever, almost never, I would say 98% of the time would get shut down or, oh, can I take a message or whatever, when we started changing the conversation to asking for the office manager, then that conversation changed because they typically always had time to speak. And then it was, okay, this is what, you know, we'd like to, to talk about. This is what we have to offer. I want to learn about your office, things like that. You know, how you guys refer, where you refer, uh, location, all that stuff. The conversation went that much deeper and, and we got a lot further with that. So, you know, for you new Kairos, change that conversation a little bit when you're calling say hey you know i'm i'm dr you know i'm dr pennell over element health and wellness uh i was actually wondering if i could speak with your office manager because as soon as you ask for the doc they're gonna be like nope and i tell my office staff i don't want them sending calls to me without screening them first because a lot of it is nonsense but if somebody calls legit i'll always do my homework and then follow up with them as long as the person went through the proper channels they they were nice and and polite to my front desk staff they had something legitimate to say, I will always follow up on that. And I think most physicians will, but as, as soon as like, you know, the front desk staff, the person they spoke with was rude and they were forceful and they want to speak with me and get my cell and all that stuff. I'm like, no, no, no. Um, so I think that's something to keep in mind. Did you find 
anything along those lines if you actually spoke with the office manager some of them versus the the head guy i guess if you will or girl yeah yeah it's it is a lot easier to get through to them definitely um but yeah i've I've, i kind of just learned offering lunch has had worked yeah for for sure yeah yeah i think it just gets tough when you look at some of those some of these physician offices have like 30 employees you know how many people are normally at these veterinary clinics i would say about five at least the ones i looked at yeah i try to look at the local ones Mm -hmm. also and so not even the franchises because that's probably impossible to get a hold of them so yeah local vets is what i looked to go after what what do you offer from a lunch standpoint you know because that can get expensive too even even with five or so employees yeah so i I always chose like sandwich delis. Okay. You know, pretty inexpensive. Yeah. But something that people appreciate you just dropping by and, and Yeah. Whatnot. Yeah, and they liked it. So Okay. So how much are you usually spending on a, a lunch if you're gonna go chat with a, a doc or a group? It I would say about sixty dollars. Okay. But I mean one referral cover that, right? Yeah. I think that's, that's how you have to look at it. Yeah, it it pays off if you get one for patient. Sure. Yeah, one one <laughs> one patient out of it will pay for it. Patient. Exactly. No <laughs> doubt. Well, if you were, you know, looking at a younger version of yourself, what would you have changed that would help you long term? I probably would have gotten into more self-help books and communication books because I didn't start doing that until I had a business when I actually had to do it. So I would have definitely started studying that and learning how to network with people earlier on and other professionals. Because it's all about relationships. It it is, for sure. There's no doubt about it. What about communication specifically do you feel like you lacked or that you've expanded on since that time? So with that, I think it has to do, again, with confidence and just knowing how to present. You know, when when you have a patient that comes in, whether it's an animal or a person, knowing how to present to them what's going on with them, telling them what you're going to do, explaining what you're going to do. Because a lot of people, a lot of times, are scared when they're first getting adjusted Mm -hmm. or if they're bringing their animal to you, they don't know what you're going to do. So just educating people a lot too has, has a lot to do with it. Okay. I love it. Well, what is your definition of success? My definition of success is doing something that you love that helps others, but also being able to financially support yourself. I love it. I'd say that holds true. And that may not happen right off the bat either. Yeah. Yeah. The first few years in practice, it's definitely a struggle and everything takes time. But yeah, just keep going and it'll happen eventually. Very much so. Keep putting it out to the world. Keep growing. Keep learning. That's fantastic. You've talked a little bit about how social media has been important to your business. Do you reach out to other people via Instagram? Do you I'm sure that if people reach out to you, you connect and and go from there. But do you actively seek out others to build relationships? What does it look like for you? I have before. um, But with social media, I will say what what I think kind of helps other people see what you do also is videos. Mm -hmm. So if you take like with what I do before and after videos of the animal and just show people the results that you're getting or how you're doing the adjustment. I think that also helps them a lot too, to just be aware of you and know what you're doing. I agree. I like recently JJ Watt put up a video about him leaving Houston and he's like, instead of me constructing this, you know, letter, I want to just give you a a heartfelt, you know, video. And maybe he somewhat rehearsed what he was going to say, but I mean, it seemed pretty honest and straightforward about him leaving Houston and, and uh, pursuing free agency. But there's something about just the authenticity of a video. You you can only memorize so much. You just get some of their general personality. I, I think most of us can spend as much time, you know, correcting and, and constructing this perfectly sounding, you know, uh, post that has a nice image. But coming up with a video that makes sense, it it can play out a lot more. I agree. Yeah. And also like testimonials from sure. patients that you help. really helps a lot no doubt no doubt have you how have you gone about the testimonial side with patients um so i i'll just straight up ask them for a testimonial and some people won't want to do video some will so it kind of just depends on the Mm -hmm. patient too and then getting their permission to post it Mm -hmm. 
or sometimes they'll post it on their social media which is always great which also is amazing heck yeah. yeah and then do you are you big on like google reviews or yelp or those types of things more so with google okay. yeah google reviews i don't use yelp anymore because they one time deleted me and really? they deleted all my reviews ah. yeah yeah so i don't i'm not into yelp but i do use google a lot yeah don't you have to pay for Yelp too? Yeah, I think that's why they took me off because I wasn't paying for any ads, uh, but they wiped out all my reviews. Wow. That's so I wouldn't crazy. rely on Yelp. <laughs> yeah, I, I always find it weird when there's like a Yelp um, rep, you know, that they're calling all the time. I'm yeah. like, what? what isn't it kind of like Google? I don't know. But yeah. I know SEO, that internal optimization, you know, the engine of, of trying to get everything on the same page, essentially of making sure that your Google page matches your Yelp page, which matches your website, that SEO type scenario. Um, I, I guess it makes sense to have all of it. But to me, like, I don't even look at Yelp outside of maybe food reviews. Do you? I don't at all. I think yeah. people just really look at Google when they're trying to find right. something, especially like a chiropractor. And they do look at reviews too. For sure. Oh, absolutely. I had one person tell me, I, I want to hear what your thought and experience has been, but I had one person tell me yesterday that they originally saw me on TikTok or saw Element, whatever, and then they saw us on Instagram, and then they saw us on like their health provider insurance website before they actually made a move to come into the office. And I thought that was really interesting because I've heard that a lot of times, not everybody, but a lot of times it takes like three sources of reference before people are bought in. Have you heard anything like that? Yeah. The more people see you and are familiar with you, then I think the more comfortable they'll feel yeah. taking that actual step to see you. Especially if all you're showing is adjustments. Like on my TikTok for the longest time, it was just adjustment videos. I didn't really show much of the how-to because it just wasn't really set up that way. But then I think you go onto the Instagram and you see more of like the personal interactions and the talking. And so I, I agree. It, it definitely needs some of both. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And yeah, I, I recommend starting all of that and just as soon as you graduate, get that out of the way because mm -hmm. it, it takes a while to build up. It does. What has been your best route of social media? Is it Instagram? Is it YouTube? TikTok? What, what do you like? I'm going to say probably Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Facebook, not as much for some reason, but I think Instagram. Yeah, that has been growing a lot. And people have seen me a lot more on Instagram. Yeah, I don't know. Facebook, I've never really seemed to to grasp that one from a business page either. It seemed like at one point in time, the business pages got more, I guess you, it creates a good platform to to purchase. And I've heard it from a lot of people that you, it's good because you can share that info differently than you can share it on Instagram. Um, but yeah. I don't know. I haven't had a whole lot of success Facebook-wise either. I know they, they hide there they tend to hide business pages okay. unless you're putting out ads so if you're paying for ads then they'll show it but if not they'll they'll just kind of put your business yeah. page in the back burner that's wild yeah hmm. well give me three tips for i guess just general success i had originally had on their marketing i know we've talked a decent amount about that part of it but three tips for success as a new chiropractor three tips i would say learn your communication skills Get good at making videos because that's how a lot of people might find you. And then seek out mentors that are willing to, to help you grow and learn. I love those three. Yep. No, that's perfect. I'd have to agree with you. Those are those are awesome. Well, do you set a lot of goals? Are you that type of person or do you just get in and grind? I kind of just get in there and I know this is bad, but I just kind of see what happens. Yeah. Take it from there. Yeah. In the past, I've been that person a lot as well. I, I'm trying to do a better job because I do feel that when we create those goals, it gives us something to generally hit. When you do, you have like even a monthly goal that you try to hit. You know what? What even does that look like? Probably a weekly goal. A weekly. Yeah, okay. I do more short-term goals. Okay. Um, whether it's you know trying to see this many patients yeah. or trying to network with this person. Cool. Now, what uh, are you talking like visits or is it dollar amount? Is it the It's usually side? per visit. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you have a like, what is it? Maybe not what your goal is right now, but what is your long term goal for how many people or patients, whether that's animal or human, that you'd like to see per week? So it 
my well, one of my goals is to find like an office where I can treat both because right now I have it split up so it's really oh, okay. hard to to see more than I'm seeing right now so I one of my goals is definitely to mix that up where I can just be in one place and see see even more yeah. animals and people is is a hundred visits a week a lot when you're talking for the the two com combined there um that's that's probably sounds like a good goal to achieve okay. yeah yeah i don't think it's too much okay i just didn't know i'm sure it's the flow eventually will will get figured out yeah yeah and i'm still figuring that out yeah. too there's a lot of things that we're always continuing to work yeah. on don't you think Jeez. Well, Andy, this has been awesome, and I, I really appreciate you jumping on, especially on a Saturday here, to, to come chat with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, and you said you, you've been on some podcasts or a podcast in the past, this, right? Right. This is my second podcast. Okay, cool. Well, yeah. we'll be sure to share with you guys a bunch of videos. Sorry that our Instagram Live kept kicking off. We're not quite sure exactly what happened there, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll continue to work on those things. Eventually, we'll have some of this info posted up on a YouTube page as well. A lot of things working in the background, but man, Dr. Andy, I, I really appreciate your time. And so you can find her at Andy underscore Ibarra, I-B-A-R-R-A, at Dallas underscore Animal underscore Cairo. You can find us at The First Five. Please, if you like this, uh, this podcast, write us a review, share it with your friends, especially your chiropractic friends, because I know there are a lot of students that could benefit from hearing this type of conversation. And then outside of that, guys, go follow Apto Advisory and go follow Busy Body Prep. Fantastic people. Thanks so much for joining us, Andy. Thank you. Yes. Take care, everybody. We'll catch you next time. Keep going, yeah, yeah. Keep going, yeah. We ain't gonna stop.